Hi there. I want to invite you to a super special free live training that I am giving with my friends at QGive on Thursday, July 21st, all about creating a future-proof nonprofit social media strategy. You can register right now for free at www.bit.ly forward slash QGive and Julia. Once again, www.bit.ly forward slash QGive, Q-G-I-V and Julia. You don't want to miss this free webinar. You can also go to the show notes of this episode and click the link to register. You're going to learn all about how to navigate upcoming digital changes, the four pillars of social media management, actionable ways to engage your community and more. See you on July 21st. Hello, and welcome to Nonprofit Nation. I'm your host, Julia Campbell, and I'm going to sit down with nonprofit industry experts, fundraisers, marketers, and everyone in between to get real and discuss what it takes to build that movement that you've been dreaming of. I created the Nonprofit Nation podcast to share practical wisdom and strategies to help you confidently find your voice, definitively grow your audience, and effectively build your movement. If you're a nonprofit newbie or an experienced professional who's looking to get more visibility, reach more people, and create even more impact, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. It's a new episode of Nonprofit Nation. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. I'm your host, Julia Campbell, and I am fangirling out. I have one of my favorite, favorite, favorite entrepreneurs, business owners, and marketing geniuses on the podcast with us today. It's the fresh princess of email marketing, Liz Wilcox, and she's an email strategist and keynote speaker showing small businesses how to build online relationships, package up their magic, and turn it into emails that people want to read and, most importantly, purchase from. In the span of five years, Liz grew and sold a successful blog, got bought out of her second company, and built the third into a multiple six-figure party that just won't quit. I love that. So now she teaches online entrepreneurs and quite a few nonprofits to simplify the whole email marketing thing and finally master their sales in a way that this is what I love, leverages their personality, vision, and values. And one of my favorite lines on her about page, if you go to lizwilcox.com, she writes, just like NSYNC is the only boy band for me, email marketing makes my heart go pitter patter. And I should also say, I have been a member of her email marketing membership for quite a few months now. And then I just joined the yearly because it is one of, if not the most valuable memberships that I have. So we'll talk, we'll definitely talk about that. But Liz, welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh, Julia, I'm here. I made it. I'm so excited. I love talking to nonprofits. I feel like there's just so much untapped potential and there's so much room for growth with email. So I'm ready to get this party started. Yes. Now we're not doing video, but please tell me, what are you wearing? Are you wearing your iconic headband? Are you wearing an NSYNC t-shirt? What are you wearing? 
actually, I'm wearing a, we'll have to link to a photo of it. I'm wearing this like knitted, um, like green and red and yellow hat. And then like a matching green and yellow sweater with actually a black shirt with Harriet Tubman $20 bills on it. (laughs) Amazing. Oh my gosh. Like not only are you an email marketing icon, you are a fashion icon as well. Oh, wow. Thank you. Take that middle school bullies. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I've made it. We've made it. See how cool we are now? Well, how did you get into this work? I know you have a really interesting story. So just tell us some pieces of it. Yeah. So if you listen to a lot of other email marketers, they'll tell you, oh, I started off as a copywriter, da, 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 da. I kind of went backwards. So I started off as an RV travel blogger. I grew up really poor. And when I found out like people were making money online, I was like, oh my gosh, get me in on this. And so I started this RV travel site. I, I had moved into an RV, honestly, just to save money you know, RVs are relatively cheap compared to the housing market. Then I realized, oh my gosh, you can, this thing has wheels. We could travel in it. And so I started my blog and I started it as a business the same way. Like when I, you know, you start your nonprofit, you know, you need patrons, you know, you need to do fundraising. I was like, I know I need to make money. I want to get on the road. I want this thing to happen. And so I just started doing the email marketing, everyone, you know, all the gurus, quote unquote, all the podcasts and webinars I listened to, everyone would say, oh, if I made one mistake, it's that I didn't take my email list seriously enough. 100%. That is the number one thing I tell anyone starting out. Start your email list before you're ready. Right. And so, you know, mama didn't raise no fool. Like I'm a, I'm a woman on a mission. I'm trying to get these wheels a turning. And so I started my email list, you know, and then they say, create a product, like whatever, whatever, right? So I ended up, you know, I created my first digital product was a book about poop. If I can sell that, like whatever cause you're trying to fundraise for, like you can do it. I, if I can sell, a, if some lady in an RV with crappy internet connection can do it, like, you know, you can raise money for your cause with email. I truly believe this to my core. So, you know, sold, sold, sold. I ended up realizing I was very good at email marketing. I went to a conference. I had created a digital course and I had 141 people on the wait list. And by the time I closed the cart, I made 141 sales. This is like the best. I've heard this story. I love it. Yeah. And you know, every word got around, you know, word spread on the internet streets and they're like, that's impossible. You didn't do that. You know, not in a nasty way, but like, no way. Right. And I said, well, yeah, I didn't realize that that wasn't what you were supposed to be aiming for. Right. I thought, oh, well, I've got 141 people the same way. Like, oh, I've got a hundred people on my donor list. I'm going to reach out to every one of them. Right. It was that same sort of thought process. And so, heck yeah, I sold those. <laughs> it sounds so crazy, but it it did happen. And that's when I realized, wow, a lot of people are following advice that's not applicable for them. You know, it's very, you know, niched. And when you're dealing, especially in the nonprofit space or very business to consumer, right? You have to try different strategies than typical, you know, oh, tell stories over and over in your emails. Of course, stories connect, but, you know, I found a little bit of a different way, a little bit of variation, I guess you could say, 
that got me into, you know, where I'm at right now with my membership, like Julia mentioned, you know, sitting here on this podcast today. Oh, I would definitely want to talk about the perspective of not telling stories in your emails, because that is something I teach my clients. And I definitely want to talk about that, but I love that perspective. I just want to ask, you know, for people out there that say, well, you know, we send one email every six months or we send one email quarterly. Like what is about email that you love so much? Like what's the power of email that we need to understand? Sure. So the framework that I developed, like I was saying about, you know, doing it different is called the email staircase. So first you have a follower, you get them on your email list, you can turn them into a friend, and then you can turn them into a customer. So when we're talking in the nonprofit space, basically, you know, we can turn them into a donor, a patron, take your pick on the word, right? Y'all know what the heck I'm trying to say. So With only sending out every six months, you know, of course you are technically a charity, but, you know, people don't like to just be asked for money. They want to feel like they're part of something, right? So if you can turn these, you know, potential donors, potential supporters into friends, if you can open up that relationship, then when it's time to have your fundraiser, you know, ask for a last push for the year, you know, hit your goal you know, it's more relationship based than like, oh, here's that charity I donated to one time. I'm not into that anymore. I'm on to the next one, you know, whatever the excuse is, right. But if you can keep them in the loop on happenings, you can make them feel like they're part of a community that's going to change the game for you. And you can do that with email marketing. Uh, When I talk about a friend, I'm not talking about, you know, your best friend where you share all your dirty secrets with. Of course, that would make no sense for nonprofits. But I am talking about three things. Number one, you have to invest your time in them. We all know this. You know, we all picture that, you know, that mega giant, you know, supporter, you know, we've got to wine and dine him and, you know, give him the plan and picturing you guys like playing golf together, right? There's, you've got to open up that relationship, right? You are investing time in that person. You can do that with email marketing. Invest your time in them. Make it obvious that you know you care about them. You want them as part of the community, and that you've invested your time. And then they will invest back into your nonprofit. So the second thing is to share in a relatable way, right? This is where you could tell stories or you know share different you know, different, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Sorry. It's early in the morning at the time. Anecdotes, testimonials, or data, statistics. Thank you. Amen. Julia, she's good. Isn't she? Let's give her a round of applause. (laughs) It's early for you. I forgot. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's no, it's all good. Uh, let me take a sip of this Coca-Cola real quick. Oh, you're not drinking your Mountain Dew that you normally drink? Oh, yeah. So Julia didn't tell you. I'm obsessed with Mountain Dew, only from the fountain. And my fountain, my typical Circle K that I go to, the left side of the fountain machine is like broken. So I've been having to get Coke out of the right side. It's a close second. Uh, (laughs) It'll do the trick. It'll wake her up by the end of this episode. (laughs) Um, But just share in a relatable way. That's so hard for nonprofits to do. That's very hard. But I love this. This is so important. We can talk about it. It can be simple. Like it doesn't, you know, of course, stories connect, right? But, you know, when I had my RV travel site, let's think about just even music, right? Or even something happening in the local community. That'll be a good translation for nonprofits. So 
in my RV travel site, of course, that was very, you know, it was people in their 60s. They wanted to travel. They were retired or very close to retired. Within that community, you know, I was sharing in a relatable way by sharing my travels, sharing the latest up to dates, you know, about the RV industry, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Now I'm in a much different industry. You know, it wouldn't make sense for me to be like, oh, hey, did you see the price of RVs went up, you know, doubled in the last year? They don't care about that. That's not relatable. So depending on, you know, what your nonprofit is, I'm thinking of one of my very close friends. His name's Warren Carlisle. He runs Octo Nation and he calls it the largest octopus fan club, but really it's an ocean conservation uh, nonprofit. And so he's really, look him up, like pause the recording, go to Instagram, check out Octo Nation. You will get so many ideas on how to share in a relatable way. So he's always sharing about, you know, of course, he's picked one thing in the ocean to get people excited about. He's kind of a genius at this. And so you know, he's picking octopuses, he's sharing pictures, he's sharing really cool things, he's, you know, showing pictures of himself, like learning things at the aquarium, et cetera, et cetera. He's asking questions seriously, like go follow him. This is not a sponsored podcast by Octonation, by the way. I just think he does this the best as far as nonprofits go. He he's really tapped into what gets people excited, how people relate. And I think that's really going to help you with coming up with some ideas versus me trying to give you some, not knowing what kind of nonprofit you have. And then the third thing, and this is the ding, 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 ding moment, stay top of mind. Like Julia said, you can't just email every six months, you know, snap, it's, it, you know, it's Black Friday or it's Donor Tuesday or whatever the day is, Giving Tuesday, yeah. You know, if they haven't heard from you in six months, they don't believe you've invested time in them. They don't believe, you know, you're relatable, right? They just think, oh, this person's trying to get money. Like, I get it. Even if their heart is there, even if they love your cause as much as you do, right? We've got to invest. We have to share in a relatable way and stay top of mind, right? Especially when we're asking people to donate. It's so important. There's so many causes out there, right? There's so many noble causes out there. But if we can stay top of mind, that's going to change the game for us. So how often do you recommend sending emails? And I think I know the answer. And this is something I really try to convince a lot of nonprofits to do. And it's it's like kind of like pulling teeth. But how how often do you recommend sending emails out to your list? Okay, so... Think about who your person is, like who who is on your email list, who's on your contact list, how busy are they, and how already italicized are they committed to your cause? And so think about that answer, and then how committed do you want them to be? And then you're going to have your answer. Of course, the typical advice is once a week. But if that seems too impossible, I'm I'm not going to try to convince you to do once a week right now. What I really want you to just give it a go, give it the old college try. I'd love for you to send out a newsletter once a month. Just make sure you're proving that you're investing time in them, right? Maybe you share, like Julie said, some stats, some data. You show some photos of what you've been up to. People want to see that behind the scenes stuff. So the newsletter can be that typical, you know, what you think of a newsletter as. 
and give a personal, a little personal update in your email. And this is like, you know, what's going on on the board? You know, what recent drive have you had? Anything that's going on. People love to see that. They want to see that you're not just asking for money, like their money, if and when they donate, like their money is going to something cool, something that, you know, supports the cause, et cetera. So any sort of details like that. And then you can share like what's upcoming. And so if you can structure it that way, once a month, start to, you know, invest, share, stay top of mind. I do encourage you to try twice a month after that, but I really, 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 really want you to try once a month. Once a month, I think is very manageable. And the pushback that I usually get from a lot of my clients and a lot of the nonprofits is, well, I don't want to annoy people. I don't want to bother people. And I think you have a fantastic perspective on how email can actually be something that people look forward to and want to receive and actually will open. So do you have any tips on how we can increase our open rates, like get our emails actually opened and read? Yeah. So first I want to just reframe this idea of like annoying. We all, I hear it every day. I mean, email is my life. Oh my gosh, Liz, email sucks. It's so annoying. I have 10,000 unreads. What makes you think anyone's reading emails anymore? I hate emails. You know, no, you don't hate emails. You hate bad emails. <laughs> we all we all hate spam. <laughs> and that's why I'm emphasizing you have to show that you're invested. So the inbox works the exact same as the mailbox, right? So think about any donor gifts that you send out, like thank you gifts, right? If you just send out a card, you know, thank you for your donation. It's super mass produced, you know, it's that they're going to throw that in the trash, right? But if you created something custom, if someone did a gift, you had a handwritten note or something like that, that's going to stand out in their mailbox, right? Oh, you know, oh gosh, I'm so glad I donated. You know, these people got it going on, right? And the next time you mailed them, they're probably much more likely to open it, right? It's the exact same thing in the inbox. You know, we all go into our inbox looking for something that we want to open. It's not a mindless scroll the same way as social media, right? We are actively searching for something that we signed up for, right? Like, oh gosh, that's a bill. I'm going to open that tomorrow. I know it's not due yet. Oh gosh, that's spam. I thought I unsubscribed. Holy crap, Julia Campbell. I'm going to open that right away, right? you know, she's invested time. She's followed this email staircase to get you to that response. So in order to do that, I really recommend just a proper onboarding sequence. Whenever you get a new lead, whenever you get a new email, you've got to onboard them the same way, you know, if somebody donated to you, you would send them some kind of gift receipt or, you know, whatever your process is after that, right? You have some sort of process. It's the same when someone signs up for your list. So you call it an onboarding, nurture, welcome sequence, whatever you want, but you have to have something proper to get them to, oh my gosh, Liz, she sent me an email. I'm going to open that, right? Does that make sense? Can't tell you how many times I subscribe to nonprofit email lists and don't get any kind of welcome email or any kind of welcome sequence. So that's something I work on with my clients to say, look, 
if someone gives you their email, that you really have to treat it like gold. Because think about that. We don't give our emails out anymore to anybody unless we know that there's value there for us. I try not to give my email out. And then I try to call my email list, but I have several newsletters that I read every week. So we have to treat that person like gold. What I think happens is we lump them into our generic email newsletter list. And then maybe the next thing they get from us is a fundraising appeal, but they still don't even really know what we do. So how long do you recommend a welcome sequence be? Is it one or two emails? Yeah. In general, I recommend four emails. Now, as I'm going through this, I want you to filter this through your capability, your capacity. I don't know you. I don't know your nonprofit. But in general, this is a general framework that works really well. So the first email is just that, you know, welcome. Thank you for signing up. If you have some sort of incentive to give them some sort of, you know, link to click on or something, you know, that's fine. But keep it brief. They signed up or maybe, you know, you met them at an expo or, you know, an event and they gave you your card and said, yeah, they'll join the list, whatever, right? We don't want to be too overwhelming at first. Remember, we're following follower, friend, customer. They're not our friends yet. So we don't want to overwhelm them with a bunch of information. And then the second email, send them some of your best content. So if you create content online, I would suggest if you create any blog posts, if you have an Instagram or a Facebook live, something that puts basically your best foot forward. Like Ooh, this a is, lot of people have great videos. A lot of nonprofits. Have yeah. Great yeah. Videos. I, so for mine, I actually create a video and maybe this is what you do. So this is a good idea if, if y'all are into video. So I would suggest maybe having, you know, someone on your board or something, create a video you know, just well, personally welcoming. And of course this does, I don't mean for every single person. It's just this one private video that says, Hey, welcome to our world. We're really glad you're here. Just giving that personal touch and then sharing maybe, you know, the mission or the values, right? But it's giving your nonprofit a face that video. If you're into video and you can get somebody on board and maybe it's you, you know, something that says, you know, hey, this is our nonprofit. I would imagine even if if you have an office space, doing the video in there, and it can just be two minutes. People don't give your whole spiel. You know, this is not the time for the story yet. You know, just saying hello, welcoming them. And it, you could even combine email one and two. Now that I'm saying that, you could just give a quick intro, say, hey, I'd like to welcome you. Here we go. So then the third email, this is the most important, ding, ding, ding. I wish I had sound effects. I need a triangle or something. I know. I wish it was, I wish we had sound effects to add in. This is where you set expectations. And this is, you know, the same way if you were giving a presentation, you would say, you know, here's the agenda. Here's our overall objective, right? Anytime you run a meeting, those are the first things we talk about, right? So this is the email marketing equivalent of that. So you're going to tell them, hey, I'm going to email you once a month, you know, the first Tuesday of every month or, you know, and you can change that as it goes. If, you, if it becomes once a week or twice a month, there's nothing like putting that in your welcome sequence to actually get your butt in the chair to write that email every month, right? You're going to offer them 
opportunities to donate, right? This is where it gets really serious. So in the B2B world I'm in, I, I always say like offer, tell them you're going to offer free and paid products. But for nonprofits, I want you to say, you know, we are going to offer you opportunities to donate throughout the year. Boom. Suddenly when you send them, you know, that opportunity, it's not like, ugh, they're just spamming me. You know, I, I met them one time at this networking event. You know what I mean? Like wherever, right? But you're telling them up front, like, hey, I'm going to offer you these opportunities. And you can even, if you have annual fundraisers, if you have that schedule where you, you know, you do big pushes three times a year or whatever, you can even sub bullet that and say, you know, like our, you know, summer 18 hole golf drive. I don't know. I'm making this stuff up. A lot of nonprofits have golf tournaments. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's the only Golfing is big, big in the sector. <laughs> Golfing is big. Yeah, right. You know, like our, uh, you know, end of the year, you know, fundraiser, whatever, whatever, our secret Santa, you know, whatever opportunities you have, right? And that way they know right up front the expectation and they know what is happening within the organization without you having to tell some sort of story or, you know, give this long spiel. You can also, you know, our objective is to stay top of mind. If you are doing any sort of social media, this is where you point them to that, you know, stay in touch, you know, like our Facebook page or, you know, check out our Instagram for, I'm thinking of if you're a nonprofit, you do, you know, makeovers for women with cancer, you know, check out our Instagram for our makeovers. They're really inspiring. You know, something like that. You're sharing what you do. You're leading them over to social media. You're telling them when you're going to ask for donations up front, right? You know, and you're telling them when the emails are going to come. And then the last email, this is where the nonprofit space can really shine. This is where you share that story. And it doesn't have to be big and long. It just has to, you know, you just have to share your big why. Share that passion with people, right? You know, whoever your founder is, maybe you get with them and, you know, you craft a story. This only has to be 600 words. I do not recommend you know, waxing poetic for pages. It's an email, you know, it's a newsletter, not a novel, I always say. But sharing that passion, sharing a little bit of that founder story, why we do what we do, right? I know going back to that Octonation, I'm I'm gonna butcher the story, but the founder, he really believed, you know, oh, I believe in ocean conservation, but it's so hard to get people to care, to rally behind a cause. And to wrap their brain around it because it seems so insurmountable. It seems so big. Mm-hmm. But I know people love octopuses. So I'm going to start this fan club. And because we love octopuses, we are then going to love the ocean. We're then going to save where they live, right? And so like, what, what is that passion I'm, you know, behind it? What is that founder story? Why do you do what you do? And really connecting with the person on the other end, opening that relationship, right? I know for me, I support Mothers Against Drunk Driving because my brother was killed by a drunk driver. And so the story of how that began was literally a mother whose son got killed by a drunk driver. And, you know, she decided like, enough, we've got to change the legislation. And that, you know, that's 
at their core, they're trying to change legislation. That's why they want to raise money so they can lobby with the best of them, right? And so for me, that resonates, hearing that story of how it was created and what they're trying to do. Like it becomes when, you know, when they, it becomes personal and it becomes a no brainer as a donor to, oh yeah, I want to throw my money at that because I have a mother against drunk driving, right? (laughs) I hope that makes sense for folks. I want to pull out a couple of things that you said. One is that the Octonation, they're not saying, you know, don't support the whales. Don't, they're not against other ocean conservation efforts, but they're trying to get their own little corner to get people passionate about one thing and then educate them on ocean conservation as a whole, which I think is really smart and also would probably get a lot of kids involved, schools. I could see my son loves octopuses. He loves all things ocean. So I think that's a brilliant strategy. But also what you talked about, I think really will resonate with a lot of the fundraisers out there is to find the right people, to find the people that are going to be passionate about what you do and the people that are going to want to join the movement, join the list and and to make it personal for them and to really share your why, constantly, constantly focus on your why. We focus so much on the what and the nuts and bolts and the, oh, we serve this many people. This is what we do every day, which is important to showcase that. But people give because they're invested in the why and they're invested in the solution. So thank you for sharing that. We could talk for literally days. So I guess my one of my last questions, because I have to ask this because I'm a huge NSYNC fan and I've heard you talk on podcasts about this. What can boy bands teach us about marketing? I loved you. I don't remember what podcast you were on where you talked about what boy bands can teach us about marketing and who's your favorite member of NSYNC. So my favorite member of NSYNC is Chris Kirkpatrick. You'll probably have to Google him because he was probably the least popular, but that's probably why I loved him so much for me and hopefully listening, you'll find this inspiring. So NSYNC, if you can't remember, you know, that was the group with Justin Timberlake, which I'm sure you know of, or have heard of him. And Chris Kirkpatrick was this guy with like pineapple dreads, braces, acne. He was wearing like ski goggles all the time for some reason. His clothes were baggy. But there he was just, you know, belting it out with these, you know, teenage heartthrobs. He actually created the group. He was the original member. And in my little brain, I was like, wow, you know, he just looks like he doesn't exactly belong, but he's very much there belonging, you know, like he's given himself permission to, you know, be dancing alongside Justin Timberlake, you know, JC Chazay, Lance, Joey, you know, and for me, I'm looking at him right now because I have a poster here. He's, he's giving me the smolder. (laughs) And for me, that was just always inspiring. And also, and this is connected to us sharing our why. I loved him so much because in the magazines, it was like, oh, why did you create NSYNC? And he said, oh, you know, my mom was a single mom. We always went without. We were really poor. And I wanted to get my mom out of poverty. I wanted her to not ever have to worry again. And she really encouraged me you know, to not only do that, like to live my own life, but to follow my dreams. Like I could do it with music. Like he tells the story of, you know, 
I was going to quit college to, you know, pursue NSYNC to go to Germany or something. And his mom, you know, despite still being poor, him having this deep seated belief that he had to take care of her. She said, that college is not going away, but this opportunity might. So you should go try it. And again, going back to this is why we need to share our why, like that as a kid, as a little kid, and as an adult who supports their mother financially, that why, like, oh, my heart hurts hearing it right now because I just so deeply connect to it. And so that's why it's my favorite. And so on to your original question about what we can learn, I think I'll, I'll leave it at this. The number one thing you can learn from a boy band is to repurpose content. Whatever you're posting on social, whatever uh, stories that you shared at your you know most recent event, things like that, put those in your newsletter. Reshare it on social media. If you wrote something two years ago, write it again. Tell your story over and over and over and over again. That why, that founder story, that, you know, not like Julie said, not what you're doing, but why you're doing it and get people to rally around that. Just do that over and over and over again. NSYNC has not made an album in 20 something years and they are still making merchandise. I just bought brand new merchandise from NSYNC. They really are the kings of repurposing <laughs> their Oh, stuff. they're on Cameo. Uh-huh, um, exactly. some of them are, I don't think Justin is, but my one of my really good friends for her 40th birthday, everybody pitched in and got her a Lance Bass cameo. Oh, how fun. I know. Oh, trust me, it was I was very jealous. But you're right. It's just leveraging what you have. Correct. And just putting it out there in different ways. You know, they put out a music video, they put out a single, they turn lyrics into t-shirts, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Repurposing content is really, really good. And yeah, that's what we can learn from boy bands today. You're welcome. Amazing. (laughs) Thank you. And I want you to let us know where people can find you, learn more about you, But I do want to just give another plug for the email marketing membership. I found it through Lizzie Goddard and joined immediately. It is a wealth of information. And what I also love about it is I've been pretty good about emailing my list every week. But for people that are maybe hesitant to email that much or need prompts or need like a cheerleader kind of behind them to say, you can do this and here's some suggested language, here's some suggested email subject lines. It's really great for that. So you sort of get this little pep talk in your inbox every week, which I really appreciate and love. And I have a whole separate folder for Liz Wilcox in my Gmail client to save all of your emails. But email marketing membership, it's it's still $9 a month, right? And you're committed to keeping it at that? Yeah, it's my membership. It's like the Netflix of email templates, I call it. Yeah, I I actually have quite a bit of nonprofits in there now, which I love because to me, it's nonprofits need money more than businesses, right? Like we've got we've got to get these things going. And so yeah, it's nine dollars a month. You get an email template every single week to your inbox. Of course, you know, rewind 20 minutes ago when I told you once a month, like if you join, you're gonna get so many ideas, you're gonna understand that email staircase so much more. But if you're just looking to, you know, dip your toes, you can 
I'm an email marketer. I would love to have you on my email list. You can go to lizwilcox.com. In the top right-hand corner, there is a hot pink button. It says free email swipes. It's going to show you those four emails that I was talking about. So you can actually like, you know, see what the heck I was talking about. You can use those, take them, make them your own. Um, It's also going to give you three newsletter examples. So you can kind of see, you know, what's possible and 52 subject lines. So you never have to write from scratch. It's totally free. Just go to LizWilcox.com, that hot pink button in the top right hand corner. And if you do nothing else, go to LizWilcox.com just for the incredible 90s graphics. The bright yellow, the pink, the video with your amazing earrings and your incredible shirts. Just just check out this website because it's like website goals. Like really it is. But obviously sign up for the free email swipes as well. So thanks so much, Liz, for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Julia. This is so much fun. Well, hey there. I wanted to say thank you for tuning into my show and for listening all the way to the end. If you really enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and you'll get new episodes downloaded as soon as they come out. I would love if you left me a rating or a review because this tells other people that my podcast is worth listening to. And then me and my guests can reach even more earbuds and create even more impact. So that's pretty much it. I'll be back soon with a brand new episode, but until then, you can find me on Instagram at juliacampbell77. Keep changing the world, you nonprofit unicorn. Music.